Welcome to the Digital Aircraft Secrets Podcast. I'm Mark Schultz, your host. Aviation Professionals for Digital Aircraft Operations is a forum created to help our industry to progress forward into the full implementation of digital transformation and digital systems. Thank you for listening. Hey, good morning from the Pacific Northwest. We're going to have a discussion today about growth in aerospace. Welcome. Hey, is the aviation aerospace dead right now with the economy? Well, you're going to want to watch this. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, this could be the most important thing that you watch today. Stand by. Hey, welcome to our Growth in Aerospace Live discussion. Hey, I wanted to ask all of you that are out there today to uh, join us in this conversation. We're going to talk about growth in aerospace, and I got an exciting speaker with us today, and we're going to talk about space. We're going to talk about aerospace. We're going to talk about Boeing. We're going to talk about all sorts of great things. Stay with us here today, all right? Hey, while I get going here, I wanted to invite you. We're going to have live q and I see you. We already have people um, joining the live broadcast. They're starting to show up. Um, join us. We're going to have a live Q&A session today on growth in aerospace. And in addition to that, please share this live stream so that we can get maximum amount of people that will be involved in the uh, the broadcast here today. Susan, um, uh, we have an exciting um, topic today, which is growth in aerospace, That's right? right. We okay. have an exciting guest today. Yeah. We have uh -huh. Emily Whitman, president and CEO of the Aerospace Futures Alliance. I'm really excited to hear her because I saw her in the Leading Ladies of Aerospace, the virtual summit. So I'm, I'm, I'm just recently excited to, yeah, yeah. last month, I'm yeah. excited to learn more, hear and more from both, her. Both Susan and I have been involved in aerospace, you know, our entire careers, started at McDonnell Douglas, and then uh, we moved out here. Um, I, I've been involved in, you know, airlines and in, in Jeppesen and different companies all over the years. But, and then we moved out here to the Pacific Northwest <clears throat> about 10 years ago now, mm -hmm. almost 10 years ago. Uh, to come back and, and finish a career with Boeing. And, um, you know, so today we're going to have a discussion with uh, Emily Whitman, and That's we're going right. to focus on this exciting topic of growth in aerospace. Well, let's bring let's, uh, let's bring her right in. Hi, Emily. How Hi, are you Emily. this morning? Good morning. Good morning. Hi. Hi. Really good to have you on the program here today. Emily, hey, tell us who you are and what you do. Thank you. Yeah, it's great to be here this morning. I'm Emily Whitman. I am the president and CEO of the Aerospace Futures Alliance, and we are the state's advocate for aerospace companies and communities on policy issues for them. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Oh, Emily, you know, you know, we were just talking about coming out here to the Pacific Northwest. You know, what what makes this area so special and, and why are so many companies concentrated here in the Pacific Northwest? Yeah. Yeah, well, to your point, the what makes our area so exceptional is the talent like yourselves that have come back or been inspired to work here in our aerospace industry. And that really is because of the investments of our major employer in Washington State, the Boeing Company. They've been here for over 100 years and they have attracted or even inspired a lot of those aerospace suppliers to grow up uh, and, and be here. We have over 1,400 aerospace suppliers in Washington State that have uh, come around that one company's ecosystem. 1,400, wow. that's just amazing. I know, yeah. and I find it interesting, she says ecosystem. It's kind of like the anchor company, right? With all the suppliers coming in to, that, that are attracting companies here. 
Yeah, Absolutely. that's really interesting. Hey, Emily, I wanted to just uh, uh, tell our, our viewers right now, we have a lot of people that are coming on board and we really like to know where people are. It's always good for us to know where around the world people are. And so if you've just joined our broadcast, hey, throw a comment out there and tell us where you are. And remember, we're going to be taking some live questions along the way here. And so if you have any questions that you have out there, I know you do about aerospace in the Pacific Northwest, throw them into the comment box there. We're going to want to hear that. Okay. Hey, um, Emily, uh, what changes are really occurring in the region? I mean, you know, if things really happen fast around here and, uh, you know, what's changing in the aviation aerospace industry in the Pacific Northwest region? What's going on? I think what's really exciting about our area is that what's going on are really attention grabbing headlines. You hear about it, whether it is space launches made by rockets uh, from Blue Origin in the Kent area here in Washington, or it really is changes with our major employer, the Boeing company and the investments that they are making in their workforce in our community. Um, there's a lot going on right now. There's a lot in innovation and resilience going on right now as well in 2020. You know, you, you brought up space. I mean, you know, everybody's always intrigued by, you know, space travel. And I've noticed that like Blue Origin, Launch Alliance, SpaceX, Boeing, you know, I mean, all those companies, you know, have had buildings and headquarters, you know, here um, in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, mm -hmm. Why is that? Why is there a concentration of, of space companies in the Pacific Northwest? Yeah, it's two things. One, it's again, that talent and the expertise that we have. Uh, and then it's two, just the ecosystem of suppliers that we have. You can go down the street as a space company and find a really creative supplier that's able to turn around a new product for you to test in a matter of days. That's really what it is. It's that ecosystem that's built up here. Yeah, that's yeah, interesting. You have so much experience, you know, come to the region know, like that. It right? really is, you know. know. So um, what changes are occurring in the space industry? What people hear about really are rocket launches. And I think we don't tell enough our story of what is on those rocket launches, what that payload is that we create here. Nearly every single satellite that was uh, launched in this last year had some component of it or was built in Washington state. I think we don't talk about that enough. Um, we are a major satellite manufacturer in this state um, a, from you know a, a global perspective. You know, that's so interesting because, you know, we're all suffering uh, right now from trying to figure out where the industry is going right now. OK, and we all know that there's some economic challenges. But over the last six months, one of the things that I've learned is, is that there are companies out there that um, that amidst the economic challenges around us are hitting record you know, revenues this year. And they're growing mm -hmm. at just amazing rates. I mean, Emily, how do you think that's even possible during such a difficult economic time? I think it is the the response of our suppliers to meet the challenge of 2020, and that is getting really creative, innovative, and resilient. So you are pivoting from your you know zero dollar intake of commercial revenue for the year into new markets or expanding other markets. Medical device manufacturing is a huge one. Um, space obviously is a huge one, um, and then defense procurement opportunities as well is what's what's really keeping us alive. Yeah, pivot. You know, I, I tell people all the time, yeah. you know, Susan and Emily, is that we need to be looking at what's around us and we need to go join, you know, those areas where they're growing. I mean, yeah. you know, maybe your business does or doesn't have an easy ability to be able to shift. But when you have the ability to be able to shift and to go into areas that are growing, you know, we need to do that for the growth and the health of our companies. Mm -hmm. You know, we really need to do that. And so obviously yeah. it looks like that's uh, that's happening. Hey, um, Emily, I want to ask a question. This is that um, I've had a lot of people over the last, uh, you know, 
period of time asking, you know, Boeing is such an important supplier and provider and OEM in our region. And like you said, is that Boeing, you know, causes a lot of people to, to draw to this area and suppliers and a lot of things. Okay. But, um, you know, we all heard an announcement last week, which said that 787 um, had been, uh, there'd been a decision to move that to North Carolina, um, mm -hmm. the line eventually is, is that how do you think something like that, you know, will affect the region when such an important, you know, wide body aircraft would move to primarily being manufactured in another state? Yeah, it really depends on who you ask. If you ask the, you know, elected official community and the stakeholders built around that, this was, as I think Dominic Gates put it too, would devastate this, the state's aerospace industry. And, and you didn't see that happen. Um, if you ask our supplier community, the real impact with an 8.7 was the rate reduction, which we understand there's just less market demand. That's what happens when you create an airplane program you know, 10 years in the past and have current market demands. What really hurt us was the, the rate decrease. So we are still supplying components to all the 8.7 models, regardless if they are in Everett or in Charleston. Um, but certainly did not devastate our aerospace economy. Wow, that's really an interesting perspective because that's a whole that really is a whole different take on it. That's like saying, hey, the whole thing is moving and going somewhere else versus, hey, there's an assembly line which is ramping up somewhere else, but so much of the of the components and the products and the and the and the and the support the support and things which come from the aircraft uh, manufacturing come from this region. That's really, really pretty amazing. That's that's interesting. Right. Yeah. Hey, um, Emily, what about the uh, the 787? I know that the 7, I'm sorry, what about the 737 MAX, you know, having been on the ground for so long? How, do, how has that affected, um, you know, suppliers and manufacturers? The, I cannot understate the impact of that. It was already a tough time without 2020. Um, and it, it would have just helped our aerospace economy be that much more resilient to 2020. I don't think you really would have seen the, the job losses that you have within our supplier community if the MAX um, had been you know, safely recertified much sooner. Um, for it to continue to drag on and for airlines not be able to take delivery of those aircraft that they need um, and to keep older aircraft in service longer um, is really frustrating. So we really need the 737 MAX to um, be be recertified and flown um, and, and approved by the FAA and, and international bodies uh, because when we can deliver those aircraft, uh, all of our suppliers can really get paid for the components that they've already made for those aircraft. Yeah, that was really such an important program. And, uh, you know, it is really a big challenge to see um, that, yeah. uh, you know, um, the challenge of so many aircraft being on the ground. I heard the other day that there was about 500 aircraft that were still on the ground, you know, but, um, you know, mm -hmm. uh, that uh, that definitely is a challenge. And, um, you know, we've seen a lot of challenges always, you know, in the industry. I've been in this industry for almost 40 years right now at this point. And, uh, you know, we've seen so many different things right now. And uh, the industry will figure out how to solve, you know, this problem and um, and how to uh, how to move forward. You know, there's just no question about it. But a lot of people ask about it and want to know what's happening. Right. Hey, um, Emily, I wanted to mention to you that uh, we have people that always join us really from all around the world. And, um, you know, I, we have people in the Middle East. We have, we have people in Bahrain. I have a friend of mine who joined from uh, from Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, who's out there right now. Um, you know, there's people that are in Washington, Columbus, Ohio. You know, we really have people all over the world that are interested in what we what we have to say in the Pacific Northwest about aviation aerospace. And so, you know, it's a great conversation. You know, I really appreciate um, us being able to do this. 
Um, hey, Emily, I, I wanted to shift to just a slightly different um, subject. Is Susan, you know, why don't you ask her about her journey in uh, in aerospace here? Yeah, you know? right. Yeah. I know because I know people are interested in, in knowing who you are because you are <laughs> leading this the aerospace uh, futures alliance. So who is Emily, right? So how did you get into aerospace? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think you have like a political science background. I think I, as I looked at your resume, <laughs> I do. I do. So I'm a local girl. I grew up uh, about 45 minutes south of Seattle, and so aerospace and driving past, you know, the Boeing buildings with the logos on the side. You know, you you grow up with that in your blood in this area, um, but never intended to actually get into the aerospace industry. So I worked for U.S. Senator Maria Cantwell for four years after I graduated from the University of Washington. And while I was there, I did a lot of job creation projects with her uh, and with our communities. And because aerospace is a number one you know, employer uh, of those jobs, uh, we did a lot of job work with um, workforce development and the, the training pipeline um, and, and uh, rail projects. So got to know aerospace and the amazing community we have here through that angle. So was that a difficult journey for you to transition into aerospace aviation? I know there's a lot of people that think, gosh, I don't have that background. You know, can I get into that? So was that a difficult journey for you? I really say not at all. What's so amazing about our industry is that it is so easy to learn. It is so easy to study what is going on and to keep up with what is going on in our industry. Uh, you also have an amazing wealth of knowledge here in our area, especially of people who've worked for a lot of different aerospace companies for 30, 40 years and are just really passionate about it and want to share that passion um, with you know, young talent, um, which is why I think we have so many you know, really successful intern programs and youth-led aerospace programs. So I was certainly a beneficiary of, of that passion that we have in this area. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Hey, I have a question for you. Is that I also have a big passion for aviation. I mean, you know, some people tell me I'm obsessed. All right. I understand. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, I have to, I just have to ask you this is that, you know, if you look at yourself and where you are in this industry right now, just what are you the most grateful for? Mm. Or in general? Yeah. Uh, I, for me, I'm most grateful for the collaboration that we have seen. You know, aerospace, especially in this area, has seen these really dramatic challenges, you know, for decades, right? You know, we've been talking about the 70s um, and the impact of, you know, the the wiping away of entire airplane programs and, you know, will the last person out of town, right, turn off the lights. And uh, so we've we've dealt with these types of, of market shocks before, and we've always come out much stronger. Um, what is really a testament to that is just the amount of collaboration. We've had suppliers who are competitors come out and say, how can we partner together on um, you know, a face shield design, or here's our best practice for keeping our workers safe and our, our workspaces um, sanitary during COVID. There's just been an amazing um, collaboration here. And I think we're going to see some really exciting products and, and strategies come out of, out of this challenge from this year. You know, um, Emily, it's just amazing to me to see, you say collaboration, is it, uh, it's amazing to me to see people pull together yeah. when we have mm -hmm. challenges. Times. I mean, really, just pull together and yeah. and uh, just a uh, little bit later on in the in the broadcast, we're going to talk about um, 
a summit that you have coming up. I don't want to shift to that just yet, but but I just hang on and listen because she, you know, Emily is leading an amazing uh, summit that they have coming up actually this Wednesday. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, collaboration, networking are such an important part of success right now. Is is that I I have to admit I'm so grateful for you know the ability to collaborate and to having virtual environments like this where we can reach people all around the world. I mean, mm -hmm. having uh, you know a friend of mine that I haven't talked to in a couple of years. Um, his name is Kamal Ashmuni. You know, he's in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. He just jumped on and said, hi, Mark. You know, and I, I haven't talked to him in a couple of years. And it's just amazing that we can have collaboration all around the world in these kind of environments. And when you have a virtual summit like what you have coming up, you can collaborate and network in a time when we can't even leave our living room. I mean, it's just amazing. It really yeah, is. The world is strong. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Sure. And something that we have been really challenged by as an industry is that in some ways we're so old school where contracts get made in the, the coffee line at the trade show, right? And you have these sort of Bob Ross happy accidents that create a new piece of technology or a new idea. Um, and we haven't had that for a year, whether that was, you know, going to international air shows or going down the street and being able to, to mingle. And so that's what we're really excited to do with the summit on Wednesday. Well, hey, Emily, is it, that leads me to my next question. You just said you're really excited to do that on Wednesday. I just wanted to ask you this. Is it what right now in this time are you the most excited about? What am I the most excited about? Uh, I am just excited about, honestly, what 2021 looks like. I think we have all been through the thick of it. I keep saying it, and you mentioned the 737 MAX program. With that, I keep saying, I feel like aerospace has been living 2020 longer than 2020 has existed, right? We have been meeting these challenges within our ecosystem and getting creative um, and scrappy um, for, for a while. And so I think we were really well suited to meet the challenge of this year, but we still feel like we're in battle and we're, we're really holding on, um, you know, day by day to make sure that we survive as, as our companies. Um, and... I'm excited to look back and go, you know, wow, every month was another another time of of an inspiration and and creativity and collaboration and to look back at the silver linings of this year. I, I love it when you can look forward, you know, to to what's ahead. You know, I, I've always been the kind of person that's not looking and saying, oh, woe is me. That's what happened to me. Now this is why I am where I am. I'm always trying to assess where I am and what do I do now? How do I go forward? And so I, I like that. I like the fact that you're saying I'm excited about what's ahead because I mean, what else do you have? Uh, yeah, because <laughs> you know? if you don't, yeah. you're stuck. Yeah, you are. You're you need stuck. to look ahead. Yeah, absolutely. be creative. Absolutely. Hey, um, Emily, I have a few questions that I just wanted to throw up in the middle of this. We're going to go on to our next segment here, but um, you know, I have a, a gentleman here, Sherrod, and uh, he said, um, "What will be the major challenges getting back to normal situations? You know, after this uh, pandemic situation? I mean, if you were to give somebody like that in the industry." some advice is that what are the major challenges that we're looking at as we're trying to, you know, rescale activities or shift or pivot or look what's happening around us? I mean, just what are your thoughts mm -hmm. on that right now for this person? Yeah, the answer to that is like seven different white papers, right? Depending on the angle. So there's not yeah. only the challenge of bringing your workforce sometimes physically back into the office. Um, there's the challenge of when a vaccine will hit and, and if your workforce is able to take that and what, what then demand looks like um, for your office space and, and for your teams. And then there's, of course, getting all of that done while ramping up into potential rate increases or aircraft being, you know, back on the market. Uh, it's going to hit certain parts of our industry sooner than others. I feel like one that we 
are really watching is, you know, MRO, uh, maintenance, repair, and overall, oh, um, right? Like, we've had, like you said, 500 maxes sitting on, you know, a tarmac for months and months and months through a winter and through a summer. And there's, you know, um, valves and other types of um, components that need to be repaired on that. That's a great market opportunity for those companies. Um, we have a lot of companies that are doing sort of these retroactive um, coatings like Nycote or like Teague with their air shield that will need to be installed and demonstrated on aircraft. So I think there's this, this excitement to get back to there, but then there's also just the retraining of your workforce, getting people back up to, um, you know, regular um, work schedules to be able to hit your productivity. I think there's also going to be an interesting uh, rush on the materials market. Um, I'm, yeah, just, I also think there's a sense of who's going to be left at the end of all of this. Um, we've seen different companies obviously consolidating or closing up shop. Um, you know, is your contact from your supplier that you've always worked with still working there? Uh, I think those are going to be all the challenges that and more that I haven't mentioned that we will be facing at the end of all of this. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, we, we actually had a couple of those manufacturers on this program a couple of weeks ago. Um, you said NICO was one of them and we had mm -hmm. a few others. But uh, it's really interesting um, is that I see people shifting like what you talked about earlier on in the program is, is that we need to grow and scale. That's the only way to overcome what's happening. And I am so sad is that I was walking down the main street of my small town here in Washington and I saw some businesses mm -hmm. that were some of my favorite businesses that were closed. And I was very sad that they couldn't make it through this time, you know? Mm -hmm. And and so the only thing that we can do is, is to look around and to and to move into where, where the economy is growing and to increase our activity and to grow. That's the only thing that we can do to survive because you can't affect what's happening around you. You know, we can only look around where where's the demand within our marketplace and to grow. I mean, that's, that's the only thing we can do to be successful. And collaborate with the collaborate, other, collaborate. other companies, yeah. people that yeah. can help. Well, I'm doing that all you. the time. Absolutely. Collaborating with people and, you know, bringing people on this program and, and networking with people and just that's such an important part. I mean, Emily, you believe in networking, right? Absolutely. And it's funny, we were hosting these virtual uh, Aero Connection advocacy conversations with our legislators. Um, one of the main things that AFA does is advocacy and tell the story of aerospace in Washington to our policymakers. And I always balance the conversation of somebody who is really, really struggling maybe, you know, 60% of their revenue was in commercial and they just haven't been paid for it, right, in the last year um, versus another uh, supplier who on a, a different industry market would go, actually, we're having a really, really good year because of COVID. And part of that is all of the R&D and the engineering work that needs to go on to test uh, and bring to market these innovations that are responsive to COVID right now. Um, so people are doing very well. I know there was a big seat order um, the other day that was was uh, launched. And so we have companies like Jamco that will be doing well. Um, yeah. But all of that to say is later, again, we're just talking to our legislators. Later, two of those companies came back and said, hey, thanks for having us on. You know, we connected and now we're going to do a contract together. And I was like, oh, I guess every opportunity, any conversation is an opportunity for for those, again, happy accidents where you run into someone and you've started something new and certainly was not the intent of that advocacy conversation, but it was the, a great result. Fantastic. Hey, you know, you brought up um, some of the things that you're doing right now to advocate, you know, for the industry. You know, let's switch and let's talk about the Aerospace Futures Alliance. Um, mm -hmm. 
can you tell me really who is the Aerospace Futures Alliance or the AFA? Who, who are they? Yeah, so the Aerospace Futures Alliance, we represent all of the aerospace companies and communities in Washington state. So that is everyone from the Boeing company as our major employer, all the way down to like Hobart Machine Products that has 10 people, right, working in, in Hobart, Washington. So we represent the entire supplier community on the issues that impact them most. Typically for Washington state, that has been our aerospace tax preferences and our business climate. We've been working since 2000, 2006 to preserve and protect those aerospace tax preferences here. Uh, we also have done a lot of work on workforce and making sure that we have a robust talent pipeline for those companies. Um, and then of course, it's getting into new markets and connecting them with opportunities for um, pivoting as we've been talking about. That being said, this year has been much different as far as our advocacy goes. So if I were just to focus that zero that in is is that what is the what is the goal and purpose of AFA? What what are they really there for? What what's the main goal? Yeah, our mission is just to make sure that Washington remains the number one uh, most innovative and supportive state for aerospace in the world. That's what we do. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty concise. That's right. <laughs> um, well, who's involved in it? Who who's in the AFA? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So our membership is, again, all 1,400 of those aerospace companies that do um, supplier work, and they are in nearly every single one of our 39 counties in Washington state. And then we also represent the uh, aerospace communities as well that are built up around that. So that could be the local workforce system, the education system in particular, economic developers. Um, our board of directors, though, is just so important to me. I came into this job uh, August of 2019 and did not expect to have the you know challenges of 2020 as a new young CEO. And so my board of directors has just been exceptional. They are um, representatives of Crane Aerospace and Electronics, the Boeing company, obviously, Hobart, as I mentioned, uh, Sekisui Aerospace is on our board as well. Um, just these incredible, incredible business leaders. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I, I see that it's really a balance and a mix of business and technology, you know, and so I see you do have, uh, you know, business leaders, people that are advocating for the state of Washington and, you know, for, you know, different things per pertaining to business, but also you have a, a real mixture of uh, technology providers and manufacturers and things like that. Mm -hmm. is it, it, how, how is that important to have a balance of those two together? It's important because as we've been saying, we have to tell the story of the entire ecosystem especially when you know a major company like the Boeing company makes the headlines, that's what all of our policymakers see when they are scrolling through LinkedIn in the morning, right? They don't necessarily see the nuance and context of how that impacts our suppliers in their backyard. Um, there's a really good story about how uh, aerospace is concentrated up in the Everett area around the Everett plant. Um, I have legislators from the Seattle area saying, well, there's no manufacturing in my district. And that's where we can point to three or four people who are not only doing you know, manufacturing, but are doing the engineering and the testing for these new uh, components and design um, in their backyard. And they go, oh, this makes sense to me now. Now I know that I really do have to pay attention when I'm you know, creating policy. Well, you brought up legislators and policymaking and things like that. Is, is it how important is you know, coordinating with regulators and, you know, policymakers in the U.S. And how, how does that fit into the importance of success of the industry? 
Yeah, so we had a major role this year as the state's trade association for advocacy with the federal CARES Act packages. Uh, we wanted to make sure that not only our legislators were supporting the Boeing company because they are the sort of the, the big dog on Capitol Hill in Washington. And so they can, uh, we can leverage them in order to also represent our suppliers and make sure that they have access to the same resources that that company did. So we did a lot of work uh, talking to our senators in Washington state and then making sure that they had the information they needed to bring to caucus members to say, this is exactly why we need to incorporate this into the CARES Act provisions for aerospace suppliers, make sure that they are eligible and have access to the PPP programs. Because we've seen now looking, you know, back on the last several months, those programs are what kept doors open and what kept people with a paycheck in their pocket. So that's really what we were doing this year. Important part of everything coming together. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thanks, Emily. Hey, um, I thought maybe we would uh, have a little bit of a discussion about the, the summit coming up. I mean, you mentioned um, how important networking was. Uh, you know, you met um, Emily virtually first, I right? Did. And yeah. how, how did that come about? Well, well for the uh, Leading Ladies of Aerospace Virtual Summit, so the collaboration of uh, mostly women mm -hmm. and uh, male allies, mm -hmm. um, and just talking about, you know, collaboration, courage. Um, those sorts of attributes that, yeah. that help, you know, our businesses grow. Yeah. You know, um, Emily, last month I, uh, uh, I pu pulled together a, a virtual summit and um, uh, I can tell you that uh, we had, uh, you know, we had thousands of people that registered for it and, um, and we had, uh, you know, tens of thousands of people that watched it. And there's just such a hunger right now for people mm -hmm. to be able to find ways to connect, for people to be able to network and to connect and to collaborate. And I understand that this week you have a summit, a virtual summit coming up, the 15th annual um, aerospace uh, summit, right? Mm -hmm. That's coming up this week, right? Um, why don't we throw up the yeah. graphic? I think we have a graphic of that here. Um, and uh, I think that's uh, that's on Wednesday, right? I'm going to be attending. Yeah. I'm already registered, by the way. So, yeah. Yes, uh, I suppose an answer to your earlier question, I'm very excited about our summit this year. The, the difference between this summit and ones previous is, you know, last year we were talking about innovation and sort of scrambling for, you know, what does the industry really need to hear right now? And this summit is just built around what do we need to hear right now? What is the information we need in order to make it through 2020 and plan for the long term? So I'm just thrilled that we have a really exciting program on Wednesday. Yeah, and um, I think we I think you have a bunch of uh, you know speakers from major manufacturers, you know, as part mm -hmm. of it. Um, you have uh, Boeing and, and other people, and you know, is there a few is there a few that you want to tell us about um, that are coming up in the in the summit on Wednesday? Absolutely. So we've structured this summit really strategically, basically walking us through uh, all of the questions that you might have and need answered as an aerospace stakeholder or supplier. And so we start off in the morning with, as you saw, Darren Hulse, the VP of commercial marketing from the Boeing company, who will give us a perspective on the commercial aerospace market. And then we walk into a really in-depth conversation about the state of the industry with the, the question really being what needs to happen in our market in order for us to get back to a return to somewhat normal. Uh, and the answer, as you'll see with our speakers from Alaska Airlines and Aviation Technical Services is getting the confident uh, consumer back into the air. 
and then we're going to have a conversation that will end our morning section about successful market strategies. How have people pivoted? What are the resources that they've been using to pivot? Where do you see opportunities, whether in space or in defense procurement or medical device manufacturing or somewhere else for uh, additional revenue opportunities to sort of make it through until we have a robust commercial market? Now, hey, Emily, I've attended, you know, a number of virtual summits and things, um, you know, over the last, you know, three, four months, which mm -hmm. we're all sort of struggling for what's the right positioning to do that. But I understand that you're doing something a little bit different. This isn't just a bunch of presentations. You also have some, you have a piece of software where you're doing some networking contained within that, right? How does that work? Absolutely. I know that I'm craving walking into a conference hall, you know, and looking at, at, at a sea of tables or booths and connecting with people and the platform that we are using, Remo, R-E-M-O. There's no special download that you need for it, but you walk into a virtual conference hall with your tables and you can mingle uh, and chat and network with other attendees throughout the day. We've also built in, which seems maybe um, a little counterintuitive, we built in some really long networking time for folks to be able to connect uh, while there's also some other programming happening, but it really is an opportunity for you to come on board, sit at a table and be able to move around and, and connect with other attendees and have either a chat conversation or a video conversation with them or your other table mates. Yeah, I think that networking time is just really really going to be important. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, to trying it out and seeing how that works virtually. I mean, I yeah. just have to be honest is, is that um, it's just a little bit difficult. Um, hey, listen, I just I want to just share a couple things with you real quick is, is that um, I I had not personally been to an event where you had networking time like that. And I had spoken mm -hmm. with some people that um, said, oh, it's kind of awkward. I don't really know what to do or how to do it. And, you know, and I think it's just like anything else is that, you know, it's something new and sometimes it's uh, you're just not really sure what to do with it. But but let me just give you some personal experience. Emily, I think mm -hmm. it's a great thing that you're doing this right now because mm -hmm. um, in our virtual summit that we did, you know, I'm not in the business of running, you know, virtual events. You guys have, or events, you guys have run events for 15 years now mm -hmm. and it's probably just, you know, second nature to do that. But what I did is I pulled together, I thought was an interesting group of speakers and we had a, a great three-day event, but we didn't have like the opportunity to do networking. It was mm -hmm. all through comments and things like that. And, um, and if I had one thing that I would have wanted to add to it, it would have been that. And so, you know, I think you guys have set up a great opportunity for people to come to this event mm -hmm. and to not only hear interesting information and get the state of the industry, but to be able to connect directly with, you have people from, you know, Boeing and Airbus and United Launch mm -hmm. Alliance and Collins. And the, I mean, the list is long. You said you have a total of 1400 affiliations, you know, in the organization. This presents an opportunity yeah. for people to do networking and and there just are limited opportunities, you know, to do that right now. I already see people in the comments here that are saying, we'll see you there. We're going. And, great. you know, so that's just really great, you know, to hear that. So are there so. like breakout rooms that you can go in? You know, you're talking about the tables, like go to the Boeing table or go to, you know, those. Uh, not that not in a breakout room sense. I think we're all so used to now the, the Zoom version of doing things or the WebEx version. It'll be just like uh, an event hall. So you walk in and you're automatically put into this area of tables and you can move around and, and find different people. Um, we're not specifically having like the Boeing table, but you can search and see who is there from Boeing and connect with them. Um, you're going to create a little virtual business card basically and link your LinkedIn to it. And so you can connect with folks that way as well. 
Um, but it's going to be just some uh, great mingling and saying, hi, I'm, you know, Emily from the Aerospace Futures Alliance. I'm specifically looking for, you know, a, a potential new partner on on a component and people can find you that way as well. Right. Like you said, we have really exciting speakers. We have an entire panel with Airbus, United Launch Alliance, and then one of our local satellite manufacturers, Leo Stella, talking about opportunities they see in the uh, commercial space market. Um, so their teams will be with us as well. Uh, and then the one that I'm really excited about is our last panel, which is on workforce diversity and inclusion, which is a topic that we are grappling with, you know, all the time in aerospace. And so the question for them really is, are we ahead or behind as an industry in being intentional uh, with our workforce uh, inclusion and diversity numbers? Yeah, that's really an important thing. You know, we had um, in our summit, we had a couple of different sessions where, mm -hmm. um, you know, we had ladies that were um, leaders and it's not just about ladies, it's workforce diversity, it's mm -hmm. inclusion of, you know, of, of all, you know, of everybody, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, but because we had, uh, you know, Susan wanted to focus on that and we had a couple of really great, you know, speakers that were part of the mm -hmm. conference. Um, who spoke on women in aviation, you know, the diversity Erica and Erica Armstrong and Renee Bangelsdorf. And, you know, we had that uh, Stephanie Baccarosa, you know, she's the COO of uh, Airspares Unlimited, a company which, mm -hmm. you know, provides, uh, you know, a landing gear components in the industry. And it just was great to hear a different perspective and mm -hmm. uh, some of the challenges that those ladies have um, seen over the years of getting into, you know, uh, those kind of roles and those responsibilities. I mean, heaven's sakes, Renee Bangelsdorf, she's you know, she's CEO of a company that's selling, you know, business jets today and they're wildly successful. Mm -hmm. And Erica Armstrong, you know, I look and she we has found out that was a growing industry. Oh, yeah. Business. A growing industry. Business aviation is a growing industry. Yeah. But Erica Armstrong um, uh, also she had 500,000 followers, you know, and I'm like, I, I, I wish I had 500,000 followers. <laughs> you know? yeah. But anyway, it's 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 really great to see that you're focusing on that, because I do think that's a really important part of success of business in any time. Mm -hmm. You know, especially when we're looking to optimize our workforce, there's no question about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hey, Emily, um, uh, there's people, you know, in there that are saying, hey, you know, we'll see you there. And, uh, you know, sounds like it's going to be pretty exciting. Can't wait to see how it works. I mean, we've got all kinds of people that are jumping in and saying they're going to participate. So um, that's really great. I'm glad to hear that. Hey, listen, um, uh, Emily, I have people that join this broadcast from all around the world. Simon Barker is a friend of mine. He's on here from... Uh, from London. And, you know, we have people, we have a lot of people that always join us from Brazil. Mm -hmm. Folks were here in Brazil. And, uh, you know, so let me just ask you this question is that from an international perspective is, is that, are there opportunities for, you know, collaboration internationally with people? I mean, does, does Washington focus on international, you know, export import? I mean, what's, what is that all about? Absolutely. So Washington state is the number one state for trade uh, in, in the United States. And so our Department of Commerce and our uh, trade uh, office there has a really robust uh, group of people who that's all they do. And they're the ones who were, you know, developing our trade show agenda, but are constantly looking for opportunities. So if, if you have an idea of, hey, we really are looking for a partner on, you know, this new program, they're the ones to reach out to or myself and we can put you in contact um, our supplier community is always looking for new opportunities. I think I mentioned Leo Stella earlier, you know, that is a international partnership that came and, and landed to make satellites, a lot of satellites in the Tukwila area of Washington. So we are, we are right for that in this area. Absolutely. And uh, actually, um, Ahmed Al-Shazi, he's, uh, he's in Egypt and he's always joining and watching what we're doing. And so it's just really amazing that we have people from all around the world and, and uh, that, you know, what's kind of cool 
uh, is, is that we have these kind of summits where we can connect with people worldwide mm -hmm. and it makes it so much easier to do that. I, I, I believe that we're now in a world today where it's easier to collaborate and connect with people worldwide than ever before. I mean, it's just amazing that we can have opportunities like this. So um, I, I'm looking forward to uh, many of you who um, who are you know on this uh, broadcast here today to uh, taking the opportunity to collaborate in such an event, you know, like this. So um, Emily, tell us when it is again. What's the uh, when is the event and and how do people yeah. sign up and things like that? Yeah. Yeah, so the event is this Wednesday, and it's running from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., which, yes, sounds like a big chunk of your day, but the content is going to be exceptional. It's going to answer those questions that you have been grappling with this year, or like you said about workforce, um, or even with our space suppliers, uh, questions that you've had for a while and, and want to get some perspective on. So it's Wednesday from 8 to 5. Like I said, it's all virtual. It's on a platform called Remo, R-E-M-O. So when you register at our website, afa-wa.com uh, slash aerospace slash summit 2020, um, you will be able to get access to that Remo platform. Um, there we go. Perfect. Yeah. afa-wa.com slash aerospace dash summit dash 2020. Um, go ahead and register on our website, and then we will get you set up in our system to join on uh, Wednesday. And as we've said, there's a lot of networking time, um, and so we're just excited for people to come in and connect with each other in addition to hearing the content. Now, you said there's actually going to be representatives that in the summit from uh, some of the major OEMs and companies, right? That's what you said, right? Okay, and so yeah. if, someone, if someone actually attends this, uh, this virtual summit, is there potentially an opportunity to network with some of those people? Yes, that's a, that's absolutely the point, right? So you'll be able to search on our attendees, you know, who is there and reach out to them, either sending them a message or, you know, video chatting them uh, at their table. Um, this is your opportunity for that. So I think you mentioned you were on a, a networking event where somebody said, I don't really, I feel uncomfortable. I don't really know what to do. You know, that I think is really typical of these sort of after work happy hours, but we are experts in this industry at being able to network and market and find business development opportunities. So if anyone should attend, it's your you know, C-suite executives as well as your business development folks. Uh, that's who will be in the audience and that's who should attend. Look, I, I tell you what is, is that I, I believe that networking is so, so important. I mean, you know, uh, it's so important is, is that it's not really about what you can do personally as one person. It's about what people can do together, you know, collectively. All right. And if you want to grow your business, if you want to be successful, if you want to expand your business, you know, in a difficult time or in a good time, mm -hmm. networking and engaging with other people, you know, is so important. Just meeting people, learning from mm -hmm. other people. Look, at, I, I can't tell you how important mentoring is. I mean, you know, Emily, have you ever had people in your life that you have felt been really good mentors at times? Absolutely. Yeah, especially my board of directors. Your board of directors. And has that been helpful to you in, you know, moving forward and what you're trying to accomplish? Oh, oh, absolutely. Again, because of, of the passion that they have and the expertise they have in the industry, they've made a world of difference. Yeah, I, I just I, I so appreciate you know, um, you putting together this kind of an event with a, an opportunity to put, you know, leaders and knowledgeable people and people that have connections and broad networks over many, many years out mm -hmm. in front of people. And all you have to do is participate in, in a virtual event like this and mm -hmm. it gives people an opportunity to meet those people. Where else would you be able to, to go and meet people of that kind of, you know, position and 
and scope and right. without, knowledge without flying. And without flying. Without, without flying. I do miss flying. I, I have to admit, I posted a picture last week of me sitting in the cockpit of a triple seven in Abu Dhabi, you know, and uh, I, I, I really like flying. I really do, you know, and, uh, but I have to admit, it's been kind of nice not to have to, you know, be gone for five days to go to a one day event or something mm -hmm. like that. Right. And so, you know, you really got to think about that. That is a tremendous opportunity for us. We can really be more efficient and optimize what we're doing when we're not flying halfway around the world, you know, to go to a, an amazing event such as this. Well, you know, mm -hmm to uh, talk about your point of somebody being afraid or awkward. Yeah. I mean, aren't we kind of afraid and awkward when we're, when we're doing one-on-ones and meeting people anyway? I mean, always. there's always that, you know, yeah. unknown factor when you're trying to meet somebody yeah. different, there's yeah. always a little bit of awkwardness or, or, you know, I, I don't know what to say, but um, that's mm -hmm. person or not in person virtual. Yeah. So, but, but you know, if, if you put yourself into a situation like this in an event like this, you're going to meet people, you're going yeah. to create connections, you know. And, and don't we all crave, 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 you know, that the relationship right now. Yeah, yeah, you know? absolutely. And I think of this as an opportunity too of we haven't seen a lot of faces in a little while, right? We haven't been able to to run into that person we only see at, at an event like this or, or catch up with them. And so this will be an opportunity to not only, you know, see folks you've never met before, but then to reconnect and collaborate with those folks that um, you'd like to see again. Yeah, in an area that's super interesting. I mean, I, Emily, I, I didn't tell you this, but I've been in aviation all my life, you know, and and, uh, you know, when I was two years old, my dad stood me on the air on the wing of his first airplane, you know, and, and uh, you know, I got my pilot's license when I before I could even drive, you know, and, and uh, I've just been in aviation all my life. That's why I feel like it's really an obsession, not just a passion, you know. And, and so it's so important for me to be part of helping people like you, you know, to be successful in promoting of aviation aerospace, because it's literally, I believe it's what connects people. Is it, you know, look at, I can go to a virtual conference, but I'm still craving that day that I can go, you know, back to Korea or go back somewhere mm -hmm. you know, and, and meet people and, and be connected with people. And, and being part of the aviation industry is what makes that possible. And so Emily, you are in the business of connecting people is what you are. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and it's amazing, you know, to, to see people being part of that and engaging mm -hmm. in that. Yeah, it's yeah, great. It really is. Emily, I'm going to give you a last opportunity. Um, uh, looks like we have a few questions that have come in, but uh, we're kind of running out of time here. And uh, um, is there anything else you'd like to say about uh, the AFA or about the aerospace industry? You know, just uh, give us some last words of wisdom, you know, help us out with uh, what should people be doing to be successful in the industry right now? I'm collaborating and, and reaching out and make yourself known. I Especially when it comes to the important advocacy work that we need to do, right? We have to uh, re, you know, get through another CARES Act uh, assistance package at the federal level. And we need our companies to say, you know, this is exactly what we need um, for our legislators to do to, to help us survive. Um, every time that we uh, try to make a pitch for additional resources or ways to help uh, people are really heads down on sort of their own um, business plans. And that's great. I think this year we've seen so many people, you know, pop up and say, how can I help? How can I collaborate? Um, and so we're really excited to engage you again, but make yourselves known. So please, you know, LinkedIn message me or get a hold of us somehow so that we can engage you on our advocacy efforts moving forward. And then of course, come to the summit and hear, you know, some great strategies on how you can take your business uh, or yourself to the next level. 
Fantastic. That's great. Let's get Emily's uh, name up there again, the banner. I think we have a banner with her, don't we? I want to make sure people know how to get a hold of her on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. There, yeah, right there. So um, if you want to get a hold of Emily, it's Emily Whitman. Um, she's the president and CEO of the Aerospace Futures Alliance. And uh, we're really excited to have had you here today. And if people want to connect with Emily, just uh, go to LinkedIn and look up Emily mm -hmm. Whitman of the uh, Aerospace Futures Alliance. And uh, I'm sure she'd be happy to uh, collaborate with you and uh, to do some coordination and some networking. Yeah, Sounds absolutely. like a great idea. Fantastic. Emily, thank you so much yeah. for being with us today. And uh, hey, listen, I'm going to challenge all of you is, is to get out of your comfort zone, go out there and network and collaborate. And, you know, uh, one good way to do that is on this uh, virtual summit, um, uh, the, Aeros the 15th Annual Aerospace Summit um, on Wednesday, this Wednesday, which is uh, the 14th, um, October 14th. Join it, be part of it, um, put yourself out there. Um, you know, grow your business. Let's grow this industry. You know, let's really be successful in this industry. So um, I'm really excited about uh, about moving forward into 2021, like what you said, and uh, looking forward to success that we're all going to have. Hey, thanks, everybody, for joining us uh, today. And Emily, I really want to thank you for being on the broadcast with us today. Thanks, Emily. Yep. Thank you, Mark and Susan. Bye, everybody. Um, uh, I close up all my broadcasts by saying fair winds and following seas. And I want to tell all of you to have a great day. Bye. Hey, wait, don't go away yet. We have a lot more interesting information to come. Hey, I really appreciate you watching this broadcast, but in order for us to continue to bring this to you free, we have sponsors. I'd really appreciate it if you would just listen to our sponsor and then we'll get right back to the podcast. Thanks. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Digital Aircraft Secrets podcast. Digital Aircraft exists to promote safe and efficient worldwide air transport Aviation connects the world. Aviation connects us as people. Join the conversation on LinkedIn, YouTube, and Facebook at hashtag digital aircraft. Let's help the aviation industry be a thriving place for all of us to reach our dreams.